So we went from 2010 struggling, not knowing how to pay the bills, two years later, making a seven-figure income, doing it again the following year, and it, and it changed everything. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ podcast. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. Everybody, what's going on? We are here. We are live. If you guys can hear me, let me know. Today, we are going to be talking about how to eliminate risk flipping houses. So why do I want to talk about this today, guys? Oh, it, it kind of stemmed from a conversation that I had with a friend of mine earlier this week who they were struggling in, in their house flipping business, right? And as I thought about it, I thought about some of the things that they were doing or weren't doing and, and why they were struggling financially. And I thought, you know, I thought back to the time when I did my very first flip and I thought about how I was, I was freaking out, right? Like my, my palms were sweating. My heart was racing. Like once I bought that house, when I uh, sent the money to buy the house, I was scared to death. Now this flip was the easiest flip ever. Like, right. This house had granite countertops. It, it hardly needed anything, but I was so scared. And it was only like $150,000. So being for being a California house, like it was, it was nothing, but I was so scared. And the following year, you know, for four months, it was like excruciating pain. I was scared to death. Didn't know like how I even made it through that time. I was losing sleep. But literally the next year in 2011, ended up flipping 60 houses. And the following year, flipped 120 houses, made our first seven-figure income, and it literally changed our life. So we went from 2010 struggling, not knowing how to pay the bills, two years later, uh, making a seven-figure income, doing it again the following year, and it, and it changed everything. So I got, I got thinking, I have a, a mentor, an incredible mentor named Russell Brunson. You guys probably already talked about him. And he said a lot of times we, we get going as, as educators and we start sharing uh, what, what's known as um, just, just like our, our jargon, right? We get used to saying the words ARV and, and returns and all just all these different things. And he said, sometimes you got to go back to the epiphany that you had, like go back to the way you felt when you started in a certain situation and think about how you felt, right? How did you feel? And the epiphany that you had that helped you get from how you felt to where you could barely do what you could do to where you were able to do great things. So I went back to when I did my first flip and thought about the, the way that I felt and how scary that was. And, you know, a lot of times I talk about, it's like, how do you buy deals? How do you find deals? How do you create systems? How do you get funding? And those things are important. In fact, that's step number one of the things I'm going to tell you. you got to get educated. But I had to go back to how was I able to go from freaking out over doing my first retail flip. This wasn't my first deal I did in 2010. This was my first retail flip where I was actually putting up my or my investor's money. And I was going in and we were fixing it and like I could lose money. How was I freaking out and losing sleep over one simple flip? And then how is it that I was able to go the next year and do 60 deals and then 120 the year after that? Now, I'm, I'm not talking about the mechanics. That's stuff I share all the time. I'm talking about how did I hold it together? If I couldn't do one without freaking out, how in the world did I not literally drop dead, right? Because I believe a lot of times we talk about the fundamentals of flipping houses, which is extremely important. You got to learn those things. The, the people who succeed at a high level, it's because they're able to the, hold it together. They have what I call... A system for mitigating or eliminating risk, right? 
so that's what I had. And I almost didn't even realize that I had it until I was talking to this person. And I started thinking through that. I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, how is it that I went, was able to do that many houses and keep it together without absolutely losing my mind? So what I've done is I've come up with, with seven different things. Now, I want you guys to know that you don't, you don't have to do all these things. They're not like just like step by step items that it's like, do this and this and this, like a little checklist. These are more things that I, it's like, I thought about that. What do I do? How do I do it? How do I work through that mind game? Um, so you might only have to do one of these things combined with another one, but you don't necessarily need to do all of them. And you'll understand more of what I'm talking about when I go through this, but I want you to know it's not just like a regular checklist where check, 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 check. These are more steps that I went through to help me realize what I do, what allows me to grow my business without being concerned about the market. You know, I hear all these economists out there saying the market's going to crash or we're good for more years. If I had listened, I had a really good friend actually who several years ago told me I needed to, to stop flipping houses or I needed to stop doing it. And he was, he was very successful at flipping houses. He told me I needed to stop doing it at the high level that I was doing it at. And if I would have listened to him, that's millions of dollars I would not have made. I'd still be in the same situation I was trying to figure out how to pay the bills. I'm not employable. So I don't, maybe I would have a job working for someone else, but I doubt it. So I'm really not employable. I don't know where it would be. I'd probably live with my parents or something. So I'm really glad I didn't listen to him. But on the other hand, I do see people. I have a lot of friends that, you know, were buying a lot of houses when the market was high. So there is there's a lot of friends. I have a lot of people I know who did buy during the crash and they did lose a lot of money. And then I know people right now who have lost money. So can you lose money in this business? Yes, you can. Is there a risk? Absolutely. But my goal is to teach you how you can mitigate and in some cases eliminate. You know, there's always a little bit of risk depending on how you go about it. But mitigate and in some cases eliminate risk completely so you can be free to move forward, right? So you can go all out. So you can take the systems that I teach. So you can take the principles of house flipping and go forward without losing that sleep at night and, and being freaked out all the time. If you know mentally that you have this plan for minimizing and mitigating risk, then you can go forward. Because you see, fear is the number one thing, the number one thing that keeps people from being successful at flipping houses or real estate or, or any business or doing anything great in life. It's fear. We have this thing in our brain called the amygdala, and it's really small, like the size of an, an acorn. And uh, part of the reason why we have that is because if we're about to get attacked by a bear or something, right? Like we need to have this thing in our brain that says, that's scary, right? You guys have heard of fright, wait, fright or flight. I'll say this wrong, right? Fright or flight, right? You need to be able to either take on that thing that you're afraid of, or you need to be able to get the heck out of there. And the amygdala, the same thing that warns us if we're about to get attacked by a bear or, or we're in danger of something, the same chemicals that are released that cause us to stop or run are the exact same chemicals that are released when we feel like there could be some other concern, something else that's kind of scary, okay? And so when we have the fear of potentially losing money, even if it's like there might be this little chance of it happening, then those, those chemicals are released and then we stop and we don't progress as much as we could. There's no way I could have done 60 houses and then 100 houses if in the back of my mind, I wasn't able to eliminate those fears of losing that money or even worse, losing my investor's money. I was so scared of losing my investor's money. It was so scary. If someone says, fight or flight, okay, that's right. Yeah, fight or flight. I was like, gotta get them or run. Okay, so I'm gonna go through these things. You guys ready for this? Okay, so number one, and the, 
I almost didn't include this one because once again, like it's so to me, it's like so obvious, like, you know, but you got to get educated. Okay. A lot of you guys on this call, I see a lot of you guys are like my coaching students. Like you guys have already taken this step. You've already gotten educated. Right. But I had to include it because there are some people who go out there and they buy a house. Maybe they watch one of those shows on HGTV, the flipping house shows that, and they think, Oh, I'm going to go do that. that. Sounds fun. Right. But they don't get educated. They don't learn how to buy right. They don't understand returns. They don't understand closing costs. They don't understand the basics of repairs. Now, this stuff is, is easy, right? Like, I'm, that's not what this call is all about. I talk about that stuff all the time. But the, the fundamentals of flipping houses it, it is easy. You can learn it. You can learn anywhere. I teach it in my coaching program. I teach it on my podcast. You can learn those things. But some people don't, right? And, and, and they're basic. They can be simple. They can be learned in a matter of a day or week. And, and, and you, over time, you improve upon those things, but they're really simple, but it is important. Please, please, please. If you are brand new to this business or haven't started this business, don't just go out and buy a house and then, and then think that you're going to make a bunch of money from it. You've got to buy right. You've got to understand financing and you've got to understand how to sell for max profit. Okay. Once again, that's beyond the scope of this specific training. But please get educated before you go out and buy a house. A lot of people that got in trouble before the crash, it's because they were just buying houses without getting educated. They're called speculators. They were buying houses assuming that no matter what, house values were going to go up no matter what. And then when they didn't, they didn't have any room for error, right? They weren't educated. So so get educated. And I always try to be careful. I always try to put a caveat in with getting educated as well. I believe the best kind of education is hands-on education. So you want to get some very basic education. You want to take some action. And after you understand the principles I'm about to teach you, you'll be able to take that action without having the fear of losing money. You want to get educated. You want to take action, surround yourself with the right people. And then you continue to get educated as you go. And you're going to be able to understand things from a different perspective. You see, I also, the problem is I also know a lot of people who get information no longer. They get analysis paralysis. They get too much education. They get educated for years and years and years without doing anything. And those people never succeed. And that drives me crazy. Okay. So you've got to get educated, but take action. Okay. Take the right kinds of action. Okay. Number two, another thing a lot of you guys are probably very familiar with is wholesaling. So when I first started real estate in 2007, I thought you had to have all this, all this money before I started, right? That's part of the reason why I didn't get involved. I didn't have any money. I didn't know. <laughs> I couldn't risk anything, right? I had nothing to risk. But one day I got on this call and I realized, oh, like, it's so weird. Like, you can go and get this house under contract and then you can sell the rights to that contract to, to someone else. And I just thought that was uh, the, the coolest concept. And, and then there's still, so let me explain first. Once again, I'm getting going and, and I'm realizing maybe some of you don't even know what, what wholesaling is, right? Wholesaling is when you put a house under contract and wholesaling can mean lots of things. I'm going to explain that. But for the most part, it's when you put a house under contract and you sell the rights to that contract. So you never actually buy the house with your own capital or your investor's capital. You never go in and rehab the house. You don't take on that additional risk. I have a good friend named Annie McCrox. He's one of my, one of my coaching partners. He helps me coach all my, my coaching programs here in the, in the house keeping HQ community. And he put 43 houses under contract last month. And he essentially has no risk other than the cost that he put into the marketing. And I'll get into that in a second because he's wholesaling all those houses. He's selling them to other investors 
who then take on that risk. So my first couple of years in doing this business, I had no money. I had no credit. I, I couldn't take on any risk. I didn't have any investors. I didn't have anything. So all I focused on was putting houses under contract and then selling that contract. You, know, you guys remember, I started in 2007. You, you know what was going on at that time, right? And I didn't even know it. This, this had been going on. And then right when I started, I was right here. I mean, why did I not have to worry when things were free falling? Because I was wholesaling houses. So I didn't have to worry about that. Now, wholesaling doesn't have to be just putting houses under contract and selling them. You could do something called bird dogging. You know, if, if you're newer, you could team up with find someone like me or someone who's more experienced in doing real estate and say, Hey, I really want to learn this business. I'm willing to put in the blood, sweat and tears because you have to be willing to do that if you want to be a bird dog. Otherwise you're not going to last long, right? But you're willing to go do some of the grunt work. You're willing to go do some of those, those things that take time and effort. And, and then someone like me, I'd be willing to put literally like my name on all the contracts, my company name, and I could pay you a fee or, or, or something along those lines, right? So bottom line is there are so many ways to get into this business without taking any of that risk, okay? So wholesaling is a great way to do it. Now, some of you might be saying what I referred to earlier, well, if you're doing wholesaling and, and you're marketing, then, then that might cost money. Like Andy does spend a lot of money on marketing. So you might be thinking, well, that's a lot of risk. There's a couple different ways to look at that. My goal in doing any business, including my house flipping or, or wholesaling business, uh, as well as my education and online business, is I look at it as, oh, shoot, what are one of those machines, those things that you own, oh, an ATM machine, right? Like you go to an ATM machine, it, it, it gives you money, right? My goal is to create this machine that's like an ATM machine that for every $1 or we'll call it every $1,000 or $100 I put into it, I get $5 back. I get $5,000 back. If I put $1,000 in, I get $5,000 back. So otherwise I'm getting back two, three, four, five times whatever I spend out of this machine. So if you're wholesaling, that's how Andy looks at his business. You know, if he's going to spend $10,000 in, in one month, um, which I don't know if he wants me to share his number. Sorry, Andy. I think you're okay with this, but you know, last month, I think he put in about 50,000 and his company made 500,000. Would you guys do that? Right? Like, you would go figure out how to find that 50,000 first off, right? But Andy, he didn't start that way. Like I didn't start that way. Maybe at the beginning, you're putting in a thousand a month and, and it takes you some time to learn some things. So maybe that first month you like break even, let's call it, right? And these are just hypotheticals. But then that next month you, you make twice as much and then three times as much and four times as much as you continue to build out the systems, which once again are things I talk about all the time. But, um, I just want you to understand, like when I was wholesaling properties, I never worried about losing money. Does that make sense? So wholesaling is, is the second way that helped me not to worry about losing money. It's how my, my business partner, Andy McFarland is able to go full throttle and how a lot of my coaching students go full throttle because they do not have to worry about losing money. Okay. Now let's say you don't have any money. Once again, go team up with someone who does. If you're willing to put in the sweat equity, I guarantee you there's someone out there that'll work with you. And then you'll continue to be educated if you decide to do it on your own. You can or find someone else to work with um, until you can can make things happen. So does that make sense, guys? All right. Number three, rentals. Now, what do I mean by rentals? I don't mean necessarily go and buy rentals, right? In 2000, so I was so scared when I bought that house in, in 2010. And I, and I thought, there's no way I can do this. It's, it's too crazy. So I'm going to do the rental thing, right? I'm going to become financially free. I'm going to go make... 
like a hundred dollars per house per month. And eventually in like 30 years, I'll have my expenses paid for and I'll be financially free and life will be good. Right. So what happened is within three months, four months, we purchased like 12, we purchased 12 rental properties and to buy those rental. I didn't know anything about rental properties ahead of time. I remember getting together with my good friend, Doug, and he was teaching me like rental numbers and showing me the kind of returns you want and, and the different expenses that are involved and how you want to include costs for, for vacancy and, you know, obviously whatever your, your mortgage payment is and your taxes and your insurance. And then you're going to have a certain amount of repairs that you're going to have to do. He was going through all these numbers with me and it helped me understand like, okay, I got to count for this, this and this. And then I still want this much money left over. And as long as I do these things, like I should be pretty good. Right. So I was buying these houses, but the number just made sense for rentals and I bought 12 of them. But when I went to go buy number 13 after four months, this is the most houses I'd ever bought. And I was not concerned. Just how I was freaked out about buying that flip. I wasn't concerned about these ones because I wasn't worried about the flipping numbers. I didn't even like worry and think about that. Uh, actually, I looked at it a little bit. I tried to make sure that there was margin in there. I wanted to definitely buy below market value but I wasn't freaked out about it. I wasn't worried about losing the money because I knew I ran my rental numbers right. So what happened is I bought I bought property number 12 and I went to buy property number 13 and I was totally out of money. And my investors were totally out of money and I didn't know what to do. So I out of, had no choice. Uh, kicking and screaming, I decided that I had to sell four of those rental properties. Uh, we had to pay the bills. We were... Our rent was coming due. We were we had some debt that was accruing because these rental properties just weren't making me a, a lot of money. You know, it was like a slow game. So I sold those four, four properties just to get back on track. And something amazing happened. When I sold those four properties. We made more money than I would need than we would need to take care of our family for an entire year. And it was an incredible feeling. It was the first time in my life up to that point that I truly felt financially free. Now, I knew it wasn't like a monthly, I'm financially free for the rest of my life, but it felt really good to know that for one year, regardless of what I did, I was going to be okay. I was going to be able to take care of my family. So then I had this epiphany, I had this aha moment. I thought, what if I could do that every single month? What if every single month I made more money than I needed to take care of my family for a whole year? And I got thinking about that. Oh, that's really cool. So what was interesting is just the year before, this was at the beginning of 2011, but just the year before I was so scared to buy that one property. But in my mind, I had this mindset shift. So I just purchased 12 properties over three months. I made a bunch of money from four of them. And I knew that I could, I could, I could do this. Right. So in my mind, what allowed me to go full throttle without being worried was I was buying rental properties. Right. So in my mind, I was buying these rental properties. I made sure they had margin. But I knew that if something didn't work out, what would happen? I would be left with my rental properties, which was my goal anyways, my goal to get a hundred rental properties. So if something did not work out, I would be left with those rental properties. And that is what allowed me to get rid of the fear, to not be concerned at all, to go full throttle and just buy as many of these houses as I could get my hands on. And it allowed me to buy, and there's another thing I'm gonna share right here right now, but there's another thing that allowed me um, to buy 60 houses that year and 120 the year before. But that was one of the main things. You see, I had a plan B. I had a plan B for every single property I was buying. I was not buying million dollar properties. I was not buying these super high end properties that if something went wrong, I was going to lose my shirt and my investors were going to be in trouble. I was buying properties that I knew would cash flow 
if I needed them to. So I was making a whole bunch of money. I was making big fat returns while I was flipping these things. It was like hot potatoes. But then I was also have my plan B. I could also use these as rental properties if I wanted to. Does that make sense? Is that cool? Uh, but it's what allowed me to go forward because mentally I did not have to stress out about it. I didn't have to worry about it. I wasn't losing sleep. And that allowed me to focus on creating the systems, allowed me to focus on getting those houses and getting the financing lined up. So I wasn't stuck. My, my, uh, my fear glances weren't, weren't, weren't going. I wasn't freaked out. I wasn't in, um, fright mode, right? Or flight mode. I was able to take action. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So the next one is financing. I'm not just talking about any financing. I'm talking about structuring. The way, the way that you structure your financing. So something else I did in 2000, in 2011 was I got a JV partner and this guy, he had, he had a lot of money and his job, he, you know, he, he saw some of the deals that I had done. I now had a portfolio of deals that I had done. So he saw some of the deals that I had done and his job was to put up all the capital. So he had, this guy had like a couple million dollars. So he put up the, the, all the money. And I would go get all these houses with my team and he took care, he took care of all the financing. So I had no risk on the finance side. Now there's, there's a lot of ways you can go about this. You can find a JV partner. You can find someone who has a lot of capital. You can also work with hard money companies and, and not sign personally. Okay. Now what I would not recommend in, in doing this strategy is I would not recommend to go find grandma who has like a hundred thousand dollars left and, in her retirement account when you're brand new at this business and, and risk her money, right? That's not what I'm talking about here. My goal was always to get as much money as I possibly could uh, for my JV partner, right? And, and he did. He did very, very well. But this, once again, allowed me to go full throttle forward. I was buying rental properties and I was buying houses that I was splitting. Clint asked, what was my split with my JV, JV partner? It was 50-50 of the net profit, Okay. So my goal was to get him to where he was making at least 20, 25% annualized return on his investment. On average, we were making 40 to 50% annualized return. He would get half of it and I would get half of it. Let's see. So far we've got, okay, get educated, all selling and not going through all these, like which one works for you? You can do a combination of them. Of, them. of course, you've got to get educated, but get wholesaling. Uh, the way that you, okay, rental, rental properties is a great plan B. And the way you structure your financing is incredibly important. And then that's number four. So number five is assessing your, your personal situation. Okay. Now, what do I mean by this? Everyone is different. And this one was hard for me to come up with. But I was like, it's different for everybody, right? Like, how old are you? When are you going to retire? What is your personal financial situation look like? Right? Like, where are you at in your life? How do you handle risk? Like for me, I'll be honest, I'm kind of a rare breed. Like I don't, you could take everything from me right now and it wouldn't affect me that much. Uh, the only thing that I would be concerned about is making sure I could pay back my investors and, and my wife being okay and my kid, right? Like, but she, she's even, anyway, she's had a lot of progress in that, in that regard as well, but it does not concern me. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm willing to take a little more risk, right? But most people are not, are not like that. Okay. So if that is your situation, then you want to make sure that you're sticking to one of the plans that we talked about, that you're teaming up with a JV partner, 
that you're buying houses that have a good plan B as rental properties. And now with Airbnb and, and all these vacation type homes, maybe that could be a plan B as well. Okay. And I'll allow you to flip and continue to earn those large gains to do a high volume, a higher volume. If, if that's where you're at in your business, if you're new, it's just getting started. Uh, if you're more advanced in your business, it's doing that higher volume without having those fears or concerns that, Oh my gosh, what's, what's going to happen? Right. Oh, another thing about your personal situation is where are you financially? Okay. For me, once I got to a point, you know, when, when I first started, I had nothing. Started out wholesaling, made some chunks of change. 2010, had some struggles, did my first retail flip. It went okay. Got into the rentals. Then the next year in 2011, ended up doing 60 because I was buying rental properties that I knew how to plan B. And I was also working with eventually a JV partner who helped me not have to worry about that risk. But then I got to the point eventually where I had a lot of my own income. I had some, a lot of my own money. I actually had a net worth. It was amazing. I actually had some money in the bank. And like I mentioned, I'm willing to take a little bit of risk. Not that I threw it all out there, but I started buying a few other houses that were, what's up, Joe? I started buying a few other houses that were a little bit higher end that maybe weren't, weren't rental properties or I wasn't buying with a JV partner. Why was that? It's because I had made a high six-figure income one year, and then I made a high seven-figure income, and then I made another seven-figure income. And I was able to take a little more personal risk, and, and I was okay with that. And there were some houses that I lost some money on, but it wasn't that big a deal. It didn't hurt me or my family or my situation because of my because I had assessed my personal situation. So that kind of takes us to, to number six. And that's kind of just constantly keeping an eye on your, your portfolio. And what do I mean by portfolio? I mean, your flipping portfolio. So we typically, if we have rental properties, like we're looking at our portfolio, like what does our portfolio look like? I would always, like almost on a daily basis, was looking at my portfolio because I had 20, 30, 40, sometimes up to like 1.50 houses at one time that were in some part of the flipping process. Either we just purchased it or we were getting it financed or we just uh, were rehabbing it or, or getting ready to sell it. I was constantly looking at this portfolio and I would say, okay, like, cause it can be scary if you have 50 houses that, that you're flipping, right? And I'm not, I know that might be a little much for you guys right now, but let's say you even have 10, like you look at those properties and it's like, okay, I, I'm going to wholesale some of these. Some of these are under contract. I'm going to wholesale some of these. Um, these ones are all great rentals. And then I have like one or two over here that might be a little higher risk, which is what I call them, right? Maybe they're a little higher end. I hope that I can make bigger profits from them, but the chance of losing money is also there as well. I don't necessarily have a plan B, but uh, I've done pretty well the last couple of years. There's a little bit of risk I'm taking here, but I'm okay with that, okay? So understand your, your portfolio, where you at. And a part of understanding your portfolio also includes what houses are, are in what part of the process? Like I would be extremely uncomfortable. Let me give you an example. If I was new to investing, I didn't have any net worth. All of my private money lenders were like grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles. Um, and I was buying high-end houses and the market could turn around or, or something could happen. I, mean, I had none of my own money in any of those. Like that's a pretty leveraged place, not the best place I want to be. But on the other hand, if I was kind of new to investing, had a little bit of my own capital, had 15 houses in the pipeline, 
uh, 15 houses are in somewhere in this process and some of them were under contract. Let's say I was going to wholesale five of those. And let's say that eight of them were, were rental property. They were great rental properties. And then two of them were a little higher risk. Uh, but, but maybe one of those I had already sold and had a buyer knew I was going to make a profit on. Then it's like, if another one comes across my desk that looked a little bit higher risk, I might be able to look at that and say, okay, do I want to buy this one? And I've I've turned down lots of properties in the past. Do I want to buy this one? I look at my overall portfolio and I say, okay, I have two that are kind of higher risk, but one of those are about to be sold. This one I feel really good about, has pretty good margin. Okay, I'm going to buy that one because I don't feel uncomfortable with the overall risk that I feel like I'm taking. Where I see most people get in trouble, though, is where they buy too many high-risk properties. They don't have any of their own money into it. They don't have a plan B. And that either causes them to freeze and not be able to keep taking actions where they have to stop their entire business. And once you stop your business, it's very hard to get it back going. And then they don't continue to progress. So does that make sense, guys? I know, look, uh, someone kind of said, I'm all over. That's fine. Sometimes I am. I apologize. My goal, I'll be honest, as, as an educator is I have these concepts, these things I understand. My goal is always to try to improve how I, I teach. And that's why I hopped on this Facebook Live. So I'm like, I know there's something I got to teach. But I'm trying to improve the way I teach it. And I hope that enough of these points are, are making sense for you guys. I recognize it's, it's kind of a lot, but at least if you can understand, I just want you to all have your own personal plan, your own personal plan that makes sense for you. That doesn't cause you to not grow and progress in your business. Yeah, it's so, so true, Gary. Stopping is, is not good. It's so hard to get going again. I want you guys to, to be able to have your own personal plan so you can continue to grow in your business without, without that fear. And then I don't want you to lose money, right? Like there's two things we're dealing with here. One is the mind game. One is the amygdala that tells us, stop, this is scary. And there's a reason it tells you it's scary because it could be scary. But if you have a plan uh, to, to make sure that you're mitigating or minimizing or eliminating risk in your business, then you can continue to move forward without those fears creeping in. Because business is already hard enough as it is. You already have enough things you're dealing with, uh, creating the, the systems and, and buying the houses and getting everything together. If fear messes you up, be very hard to progress. I believe this is what holds most people back, even though we don't know it. It's kind of a subconscious thing. We think, oh, I'm just not figuring this thing That's a huge part of it. Because if you have that eliminated, then you continue getting educated. You can continue to move forward and, and grow and progress. So, okay, I've got, I've got two more. So number seven is, is, is a hedge, okay? I'm, I'm a big believer in, in focus. You know, that's why when I started flipping houses at, at a high volume, I didn't do a bunch of rental properties. I didn't do my, I let my other business go. I did not start educating, though I wanted to do it much sooner until at least seven years and I had my business completely systematized. Having that been said, there's, there's two ways to look at this. If you currently have a job, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I, a lot of people think that my, my number one goal is for everyone to quit their job. And, and it's not, it's for me to get you to a place where you can quit your job. You know, Zach just made a comment. Um, I, I know you recently quit your job and you're ready for that, right? Like that makes sense for you. With my personality, I'm unemployable. So I would, I would quit my job like from, from day one, but that's not for everyone. I had a guy, um, who, who was in one of my coaching programs and, and, and he quit his job right away and he was really excited. I quit my job. He wasn't ready. Like he hadn't quite learned some of the things that he needed to learn. He hadn't taken those steps that he needed to take. He didn't know what he didn't know. And, 
and I thought he he kind of ran out of rope a little a little bit before um, he was completely ready. So we advised, hey, go back, get your job back, which he was able to, fortunately. And then you can continue to grow and and and, and fell forward, if you will, while you have that safety net. So you don't have to be afraid. So you don't have to not be able to sleep at night. And and he did, and things are great now. Bill Allen. A lot of guys have heard me talk about Bill Allen. Just a couple of years ago, Bill Allen did did two houses. He joined one of our coaching programs, Seven Figure Flipping. Uh, and then last year he did 70, and this year he's on track to do over 150. Completely changed his life. He did not quit his job until I think like this week was like his last day, right, Kyle? And it's been it's been incredible to see that. And and uh, so don't feel like you have to quit your job right away. The goal is to get to a point where you can quit your job. And once again, that's going to depend on your personal situation. But having that hedge is great. So on the other end, okay, someone like in my situation or I believe in focus, so I'm going to be careful with what I say here, but my education business, my, my other businesses are a hedge. You know, if you have, bottom line is if you have additional income coming in from another business or from something else, that allows me to take more risk in my housekeeping business. Because if I make X amount of money over here and I lose a little over here, like, like, I'm not super concerned about the market right now. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be. It depends on your situation. Okay. If you're buying a whole bunch of high end houses, I just, I love you guys. I care about you. I see a lot of people making a lot of money right now from buying a lot of high end houses. I just want to make sure that when the music stops, if you will, or if it does, that you have a seat to sit down in, right? That, that, and to me, the music doesn't stop. I keep going. I just want to make sure that you have a strategy that allows you to keep going without having to put on the brakes, without having to clean up a mess or be concerned or be afraid. So that's just something to keep in mind. That hedge allows me, yes, diversity of multiple streams of income. Totally agree. It's super important. Having that been said, I also believe in focus. If you guys have read The One Thing by Gary Keller, he talks about and there are times when you do put all your eggs in one basket. I'm not necessarily meaning like an investment portfolio, but more your focus and your attention. But once you get to a point where you don't have to do that, like I'm more... Focus now. It's like, okay, could I retire? Yeah, I could retire. I want to retire. I want to keep buying houses. I want to keep doing cool things. Um, but if I can have other income streams, that's really cool. It allows me not to be so concerned about, about the market and, and things like that. So, okay, awesome. Okay, so the last one, you guys have all, all heard your network is, is your net worth. You've probably heard the top five people you surround yourself with or who you become. I cannot overemphasize the importance and you guys are, I'm preaching to the choir here because you guys are on this call right now, but surrounding yourself with people who have been there and people who are on the same journey as you it is, is invaluable. You know, you might have that one deal that you're, you're ready to buy and you can reach out to, to your network and, and ask them those specific questions in that moment. There's so many times when this has happened with me. And, and people I work with. And I'm so glad that, that they've been there for me and that we've been there for them because there are times when they would have put themselves in a situation that probably wasn't the best situation. And having that, that, that network, that, that group of people that understand you, not only does it allow you to keep moving forward because there are a lot of naysayers out there. There are a lot of people that are constantly trying to bring you down that are negative. Oh, that's not going to work. And, and just all these things that, that most of the world is, does and is like, Having that, that group of people helps you move forward because not only do they, they believe in you and they, and they push you forward, but they, they can point out little things that you may not be noticing. Um, I always have coaches and mentors. I, I spend well over $25,000 a year on mine and it keeps going up. 
yeah, Joe says fly with eagles, and it's it's, it's so true. As I've continued to grow, I call it um, climbing the networking ladder. And when I first started, it's like I didn't know anyone, I know anything, and so I just you know pay people to to learn from them. And but as as I've grown and, and learned more, and been able to surround myself with seven and and eight income er- figure income earners, it's it's like a totally different mindset. It's a different thing when I'm in a group with my high level students. They think so much differently than a group of new investors or, or non-investors for that matter. And that's okay. Like we all start somewhere, but being around these people, it, it gives you power. It gives you understanding. You know where the market's going. You know what's working the best and you're able to stay out of a potentially dangerous situation. Maybe they can help you assess your overall portfolio. Maybe they can help you assess your personal financial situation, which is something that we get into as well. But just make sure that, that you, you are around people who have been there, who have done that, right? Who, who are on the same path as you. Because if you're not, it, it is hard to fly solo and, and just get out there and try to make things happen. And literally at a moment's notice, uh, you never know when you're going to need those people. So you want to make sure that you, you dig your well before you're thirsty and you have those people readily, readily available to you. So anyway, all right, guys, I hope that all makes sense. I want to continue to develop these. And just make sure that, that you guys stay safe. I'm always teaching people, get out there, take action, make things happen. And um, after talking to one of my friends earlier this week and realizing they weren't in the best situation, I just wanted to make sure uh, that I was being being clear about some of these things and make sure that you you stay safe. Stay safe, but keep moving forward. I see people all the time, they either stop or they're not safe. Like you can do both. And that's how I've set up my business. And that's what's allowed me to, to sleep at night and keep moving forward. And go, you know, people ask me like, how was it that you went to Hawaii last week or the week before? And, and your business kept running. It's like, well, I've created these systems, but I've also put in mechanisms to where I know that I'm going to be okay. I have different plans in place, whether it's through finance structuring with JV partners in the past, which I'm not currently doing. That's what I've done at different times. Whether it was a wholesaling one time, or uh, whether it's through buying rental properties and keeping an eye on my portfolio and understanding my personal situation. So if you guys, I, I know that this wasn't, once again, just a simple check, check, check. Like I'm trying to help you guys get in my brain. I'm trying to go deep with you guys. And I hope that hope that makes sense. So if you guys have any questions at all, um, please feel free to reach out. I know a lot of you guys are already our students, which uh, thank you. And we appreciate you. We love you. If anyone is interested in getting additional help, you can go to houseflippinghq.com slash coaching, fill out an application, and we'll make sure someone from our team will reach out to you. And we'll make sure that you get in, in the right spot, right? I'm not one of those guys that's going to allow anyone into my high-end coaching program, which is not cheap, by the way, if you're not ready for it, Right. If we can't help you 10x where you're at, then it's not it's not the right fit for you, right? We want to make sure that you're in the right place. Even if it's checking out my podcast, you know, if you're just just ready for like the free stuff right now, it's totally cool. If we can help you to another level, hit us up and, and we're here for you guys. So once again, thank you, everyone. That's all I got. So you guys have a great day and we'll be talking to you soon. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.